Why are the Packers, Colts, and Falcons our three favorite offenses on the rise for fantasy football in 2024? We break it down right here, right now, as we begin another edition of Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm one of your co-hosts, Vinny Iyer, and I'm not doing this. I'm worried about NFL fantasy and betting for SportingNews.com. Hey, hey, I'm Michelle Majuk, researcher at NFL Network and fantasy analyst for NFL.com. All right, today Michelle and I are turning the page from Super Bowl 58 and starting to look at some off-season things we're going to pay attention to. And we'll start with the offenses that we think are on the rise. These are offenses we want to invest more in fantasy football because of some changes or just some generic upside with these teams. So we will focus today on the Packers, Colts, and Falcons. We'll bring our analysis of what we expect from those teams for you on the show. Then tomorrow we'll come back and look at some offenses that were good or we had some expectations for that maybe on the decline here for fantasy football that we want to detach from. So we'll have that there on tomorrow's show. Before we get into today's show, looking at those three offenses, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. We are Locked On Fantasy Football. Your destination become the smartest fantasy football player league. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. Michelle, let us start looking at the Packers. They had a very strong finish to the 2023 season. Jordan Love started to feel it and really pulled away. He was second in the league in touchdown passes behind only Dak Prescott. And all those young weapons started to come through, even without Christian Watson doing anything. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Reed was probably the most impressive, right? And when you look at his stats, it's not really because of his offensive snaps increasing throughout the year. He actually pre- uh, stayed pretty steady while it went up and down from week to week, but it was in between 50% to 70% of snaps. So it's like he still has a lot more growth in him, too. It's not like he, we saw him out there for 80-plus percent of snaps like we should see next year. But what did happen is that Love and him clearly started to build on their connection and the team clearly started to trust him more as their true wide receiver one because over the second half of the season from weeks 8 through 18, Reed led the Packers in targets, receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, and then was second in scrimmage yards on the team, only eight yards behind Aaron Jones. But when you look at the last eight, eight or nine weeks, weeks 10 through 18 of the season, that Reed was a wide receiver 10 and points per game among wide receivers during that span. So he really showed me something there in that second half, which is exactly what we want to see in rookies, right? It takes a little bit of time, but that second half is really when he started to show that growth. And I think we're going to see a huge year from him in year two. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, he kind of plays the Debo Samuel role in this offense. And we know there's some correlation between what Matt LaFleur does and Kyle Shanahan and that's how they kind of used him they used him as a hybrid they used him in the slot here so 
it was a nice development for him. I had lower expectations just because I knew he was going to play the slot and I didn't know what we we're going to get from Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs. It turned out to be a little bit of a committee situation, right? On the outside, based on who was healthy between Dubs and Watson, Dontavian Wicks. We even had Bo Melton late in the season making some plays. So when you look at all that, I think it's up in the air with all those other receivers. And you're right, they could go out and get a receiver. They could maybe trade for Brandon Ayuk. There was a lot of consternation when they drafted Jordan Love and not Brandon Ayuk in that one class in 2020. So maybe they can go back and get him in a big play thread on the outside. But I think the jury's still out on Watson, Dubs, Wicks. I don't know how it's going to be sorting out, but I think they know they have a keeper in Reed. And if they have to work their offense inside, outside, where Reed is the main go-to guy, and then they figure out other things. I mean, we've seen offenses like this before, right? Including Ben Johnson, the Lions, where the slot guy is the primary target in Amon Rice St. Brown. That also leads us to another conversation. We know who the other key Lions target is, is uh, Sam Laporta, tight end. Now, you have Luke Musgrave. He had that scary hip injury late in the season, but he is a big play guy and showed some flashes there with his athleticism. And you have Tucker Craft. He was very valuable when getting the playing time in the red zone, right? I don't know how this is going to play out, but I would think Musgrave is the more explosive talent. I think if you said, okay, he's like Kittle in terms of stretching the field, but then you look at what Kraft does, he's more of that traditional short area tight end, right? So this one's tough. I think it might be an interesting battle between these two to see who gets the key snaps going forward. I know. I do think it's Luke Musgrave who's going to be the clear-cut starter and guy with the most targets among the group, but I think it's going to be pretty close in snaps and targets between the two. I will say, like, if either of these guys could just have the full snaps, I think well, either one could be really good for fantasy. We actually saw Tucker Kraft be more productive for fantasy when he got the field all to himself over when Luke Musgrave was playing the majority of the snaps over Kraft. But at the same time, I just think they're going to kill each other next year. Yeah. There's going to be some games where it's Kraft, some games where it's Luke Musgrave, kind of like the Kyle Pitts, Jonu Smith situation with the Falcons. Maybe a little bit better because the Packers offense should be a lot better than the Falcons offense was, right? But at the same time, I'm probably going to stay away from it. Maybe take a really late round flyer on Tucker Kraft or just keep an eye on him and waivers next year. But I, I'm really not loving either of these two for 2024 just because I think they hurt each other. But I do think having the all these weapons, right, is an awesome thing for Jordan Love because we didn't even really hit on Christian Watson, who is like he was being thought of as a bit like a good sleeper this year. Like someone that could really break out a second season, missed eight games with injury. Like it felt like anytime he started to get going, he injured himself again. If he could stay healthy, it, it, he will be, I don't know if I want to take a shot on him in fantasy. Cause he's just been so up and down hit or miss, especially with the injuries. But for Jordan love, that could be a really important piece as well. If he could stay healthy. So love having all these pieces. Yeah. It might be a headache for fantasy to figure out who's going to be the top guy. But this is only great for Jordan Love. And when I'm looking at where I'm going to rank him, I think there's only like five guys for sure I would have over. I'm actually six. Sorry. It's Josh Allen, Mahomes, Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and CJ Stroud. I, I would easily take any of those guys or, over Jordan Love. But after that, even like counting Justin Herbert, counting Joe Burrow, like I think he kind of goes in that group. And whoever's the cheapest out of Herbert, Burrow, and Love, I want the cheapest, and I cannot imagine Love goes before Herbert or Burrow in most leagues. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think it's going to be a bit of a headache with the weapons, but you add them up, and they're really good here. And then the other thing you have to consider is what do they want to do here? I mean, are they going to do 
a mix of 12 personnel and two tight ends, or is it going to be mainly three wide receivers? So who gets the opportunities out there on the field? We know there's a lot of depth at wide receiver, so whoever can earn those spots. So I think there's a bit of a competition there, but competition, again, is very good for Jordan Love. I think I like him there where you had him. I think I would have him ahead of C.J. Stroud because I think actually he gives you a little bit more running than C.J. Stroud, especially scoring, right? Jordan Love did score on the ground a few times, and they do call his number to do that. So that can be fickle, right, that type of production for a quarterback. But he, I think they have not totally used his athleticism the way they could and maybe designed some more runs for him. And, look, Aaron Rodgers didn't light it up on the ground, but he had some key stats right here and there. He could run in for a touchdown if he wanted. But I think Jordan Love is used a little bit more like that. So I think you can't forget about that aspect of his game. But, look, however you look at it, I mean – it was a great year because we had lower expectations and he finished his second in touchdown passes. Now, do I think, as we've talked about before, that the bar is going to be raised? Probably. It's going to probably be re-raised here in terms of the touchdown passes. You won't have – it was tough. Like, you expected more people to really be up in the touchdown passes than there weren't. So, we know that can be a little bit up and down. But Jordan Love, anyway, is solid here as a QB1. Now, I think you look at Aaron Jones, right? This is an interesting situation. There are things that you might like about him, right? He's going to be 30 in December, but look at the playoffs. He looked pretty fresh and he ran well. And A.J. Dillon is a free agent, so I don't think they're going to keep him, right? So I don't think they really trust any of these other backs to have a key role on the team right now. So again, if they move A.J. Dillon, and, and, or not keep him, I should say, I think Jones is going to have a pretty key role on this team going forward. I mean, he looked really good. I think you'll also see some offensive line upgrades for the Packers. They're going to have to look at guard. They need the future at tackle. So that's going to help with the blocking for both Love and Jones here. So, look, I'm not going to invest highly in Jones, but I think he might be a pretty good RB2 value, assuming they don't add anyone to compete of note here with Dylan Walker. Yeah, Aaron Jones, it's hard at the 30 years old. And also, he's just had a really hard time staying healthy as well. Healthy Jones, like it took so yeah. long for him to get healthy this season. And then for a while, they're kind of leaning on both Jones and AJ Dillon until they realize, well, Dillon is just so bad. So, but the last five weeks of the game, including five last games of the Packers season, including the playoffs, Jones had over 100 rushing yards in each of those games. He averaged over 130 scrimmage yards per game and over 19 fantasy points per game. So clearly he still has something left in the tank at his older age. It's just, can he stay healthy? And I have a hard time believing he will for a full season, but he definitely has something still left in the tank. So if he starts to drop way too far down draft boards, I will definitely eat him up as a running back too. that I don't have to count on too much to stay healthy the full season. Yeah, as long as they don't force in a power back like Dylan, like that was just disappointing, yeah. right? Dylan had that one good year where he finished back end RB2, but that took a lot to get there. And so if Jones dominates the touches, I mean, you have to look at him a little bit more than that. Now, we will get into a very intriguing team from the AFC next, the Indianapolis Colts. Before we do that, we got to hear from another one of our fine sponsors. All right, this episode of Locked on Fantasy Football is brought to you by DoorDash. And look, it's a big time of year, and we just transitioned out of the big game in the Super Bowl, but we got the NBA All-Star game. We've got that special day tomorrow if you're staying in and you want uh, some deliveries there. 
for Valentine's Day, they've got you covered as well. So DoorDash is going to be taking care of you on the biggest events and days of your life to make your life easier. And really, it was a great football game that we saw, but uh, really, we know what the commercials did there. And really, DoorDash really went all out, right? For game day, all that stuff from all the ads to one lucky winner, car snacks, even tax software, really great there. And somehow they pulled it off. I'm a little bummed I didn't win or Michelle didn't win, but you got to hand it to them. Really, it was one heck of a delivery for DoorDash. DoorDash is the all-in-one app for your everyday needs, from restaurants and groceries to flowers and gifts. So next time you're running low on dinner ideas, pet supplies, or just time, you can get so much more than you realize delivered. Check it out. DoorDash is for you, and whenever you need it, DoorDash, your door to more. Head to the DoorDash app to get everything you need delivered right to you. All right, Michelle, let's continue the show and look at the Colts. And I'm excited about the Colts because you have Shane Steichen. Look, Gardner Minshew did the best he could here, and he tried to keep this offense moving along. But it was a bummer that we lost Anthony Richardson so early. He was looking really good as a potential QB1, and he might push down some of these guys on the board because he's a running quarterback that's really special. Now, we're going to ask this question, given that he's in the offense that made Jalen Hurts a big superstar here with Steichen, and he runs a lot. Does he have that potential to be a top three QB? I think he does. Yeah, I think I could definitely see him being that quarterback that you can get at a nice price in drafts, and he ends up being the league winner, kind of like what we saw out of Josh Allen entering the 2020 season, what we saw out of Jalen Hurts entering the 2021 and 22 season. Like When you can get these guys cheap because people aren't yet confident that they can be good enough as a passer, right, or you know they're just a little bit worried they're too – lenient on the run game that's when you get these league winners i do think anthony richardson can be that guy however we did see him get injured twice right in a very short span i mean he only started what four games and he got it he had the concussion and then hurt his shoulder so maybe that running style leads to more injuries and that's something we have to be worried about but if he's able to stay out there be healthy he he you know he impressed me not only with his legs but also with his arm like i will be more than happy to draft him if he's sitting there in the eighth ninth round I, I think he could be a steal yeah people are going to forget about him a little bit i think given all the people we're talking about like right? stroud and purdy and love and all these people that broke out some people are going to say uh, wait anthony richardson you look better early right in fantasy than any of these guys last year and again the offense is great i think when you look at it, it really comes down to his running if you can get that running then you can push up there really it is a difference maker we know how you can rack up the points with the rushing yardage and the scores supplementing what you have so something to look at with richardson now my question is though and this is the biggest question i think with indianapolis how and whom does he throw to right this is the question because michael Pittman is a free agent it could go either way with him he could come back and be a key part of what they do but keep in mind he was catching a lot of short balls there for Minshew and not really lighting it up. Then you have Alec Pierce, who flashes, but you think he fits better with Richardson, who has a bigger arm, I think, overall than Minshew really has a bigger arm than most quarterbacks in this league. And then you have Josh Downs, right? He's pretty solid, but he had injury issues as well. So I'm thinking, Michelle, the Colts really might need to invest in one more key receiver on this team. Yeah, and it might just be keeping Michael Pittman. I mean, he led the team with 156 targets. No one else had even more than 100. Josh Downs was second with 98. Do you know who was fourth on the team in targets? 
because I was uh, shocked by this. Oh gosh, is it one of the tight ends like Mo Ali Cox or Highland Granson? Granson. Okay, was targets. Was, okay. Yeah, you were close. The fourth most targets <laughs> on the team. Alec Pierce was third at sixty-five. So I, I do think Michael Pittman has to be yeah. uh, like kept here, or they need to add some other big name, whether that be through the draft or through free agency. Like they can't go into the season with Anthony Richardson in his first real true season now, uh, and then with Josh Downs as the wide receiver one. I do like Josh Downs, and I think we were seeing him have a really nice season before he had that knee injury in week nine and then he played through it and it even like a month later he still said he was playing through this injury I think that did it had to massively affect him because his receiving yards and reception yards per reception just plummeted from that moment so I have to assume that's due to injury but I mean right before that injury we saw him put up 15 points 13 23 14 and he was having a lot of receiving yards in those games a lot of yards per reception as well so I do think he has high upside he's going to be a guy I really like like late in drafts for, you know, as a double digit type of guy there in the later rounds, but that cannot be their wide receiver one or else the Colts are in trouble. And then I'm not going to love Anthony Richardson too much either. Yeah. I mean, we'll see about Pittman. It makes sense, right? When you have your quarterback on a rookie deal to keep Pittman his go-to guy. So there's a really good chance he returns. Now, the other thing, the one thing in Shane Steichen going back to Philadelphia, right? It was simplified. You didn't have a lot of guys in the mix and we'll see. I mean, maybe they start to use more 12 personnel to help Richardson with the tight ends. I think that's a factor anyway, but I want it kind of like the Eagles where you have three guys, right? AJ Brown, Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard being the third guy, clear guy. Now, I don't know if you're going to get that. I mean, you just mentioned Granson leading the team. The first tight end I could think of was Mo Ali Cox. Stop it. I mean, we've had this Colts weird, committee i think it's been a while i mean you go back to like kobe fleener and eric ebron maybe that's the last time you had like one guy that you wanted to go to but even then you had uh, different guys that you were competing with i just can't remember there was a consistent colts tight end since dallas clark we want that situation to kind of develop here so yeah i think they should look at hunter henry and dalton schultz and free agency i think that makes a lot of sense let's clean up this position i mean they're trying to force granson as this like playmaker it hasn't quite happened. He's a good athlete and all that, but he can't put it together. And I, I just i am tired of this committee. It's like the Colts have just been a wasteland when it comes to tight end. So I think they need to streamline this offense and simplify. So we'll see how it plays out, right? If they go Pittman, re-sign him, and it's Downs and Pierce being the three guys, and they don't worry too much about tight end, or do they make tight end more of a focal point here? given that they want to have good blocking for the running game as well. So there's a lot of directions they can go. I think Steichen is a malleable kind of versatile coordinator, and they could go in that direction. But again, if I'm him, I want to model everything I can after what I did with the Eagles. Yeah, I would love Michael Pittman, Dalton Schultz, Josh Downs as a three. I think that's That's a really solid top three. And then you get to talk about the running back here, right? That's a solid top three receiver. And then you have John and... Jonathan Taylor as your running back. There's no drama this offseason that we can expect, right? He has his contract. He's not coming off of any serious injuries. So hopefully he enters the season healthy next year. Are we too low on Jonathan Taylor just as a, a group, right? I feel like he's kind of the afterthought right now. Should he be a top eight pick in drafts next year? Should he be in consideration to be the second running back off the board after Christian McCaffrey? Because once he started to, you know, come back, get healthy, take over from Zach, you know, Zach Moss and him were splitting for a while. But once he actually took over that backfield, he was nothing but fantastic for fantasy. Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is a really good target here in a lot of drafts. I mean, he's going to be a guy I'm looking at as well. 
yeah, being fully healthy down the stretch. And also keep in mind, whenever you have a running quarterback, it really helps the running back as well. You think it hurts sometimes, and it can, right, if he's stealing all the touchdowns. And Jalen Hurts went a little bit insane with that <laughs> this year with the Eagles. But keep in mind, last year, what happened? Miles Sanders, not nearly the back that Jonathan Taylor was, got all these residual touchdowns, right? You were worried about the quarterback running. They just didn't have that guy, right? DeAndre Swift or Kenneth Gainwell wasn't the guy who pounded in and scored there uh, the way that Sanders did in the final year of Shane Steichen in Philadelphia. So Taylor, we know, is great at finishing. He's a very good red zone back. And all the stuff that they need, I I think he can provide. And he's a very good receiver, so that helps, right? I don't think he's going to go nuts like McCaffrey. But, yeah, I think he'll be a key outlet for this team. They'll use him well. And I think he's going to get the volume as well. So, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, you can't forget about him. I think he could have a big, big year and maybe be a sleeper to uh, win a second rushing title here. Yeah, Zach Moss is a free agent. I don't think it really matters either way if he stays or not. Jonathan Taylor clearly is going to own this backfield. But around the goal line, we know Moss could take some of those carries. So it'd be nice if he were to be gone. Moss, maybe with a different team. Maybe he could be a lead back with a different team. That's my hope there as a Zach Moss stand. But no, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is a guy that you're going to have nice value on him this year. He's just kind of being overlooked because of some of the shinier uh, guys, which one we're going to talk about in our next segment with Bijan Robinson. Robinson and the Falcons hopefully rising offense now that they got rid of Arthur Smith. But first, before we get into all that good stuff, let's talk about our sponsor, FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 winning bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. My favorite player prop for tonight's slate of NBA games is LeBron James to have over 32 and a half combined points, assists, and rebounds against the Pistons. To get in on the action, just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on and get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Again, just visit fanduel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, let's hop into the Falcons. Listen, I was so excited when they moved on from Arthur Smith and then so quickly saddened when he became the new offensive coordinator for the Steelers. We'll probably talk about the Steelers tomorrow and the declining offenses. I just have a little uh, hint there that they will probably show up, but the Falcons, on the other hand, they get rid of Arthur Smith. They bring in Zach Robinson. He was the quarterback coach from the Rams. We expect, you know, them to get an upgrade at quarterback. Please more, no more Desmond Ritter. But how do they do that, Vinny? Like, where do you see them going with fixing the quarterback position this offseason? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things we can draw here from similar situations. And it used to be the joke is, hey, if you want to have a good team, just hire someone that worked with Sean McVay and that kind of kind of just didn't happen as much right but let's remember the other Zach with no K or H Zach Taylor he went to Cincinnati and they did well you look at Kevin O'Connell the offense has done pretty well coming from the Rams in Minnesota now I think you have a couple of exciting opportunities here now there's multiple ways they could go now if they're going for one of their traditional quarterbacks that we've seen a Matthew Stafford or a Kirk Cousins, that type of quarterback, or a Joe Burrow type, right? I mean, I'm not saying you're going to get those type of performers, but they would go maybe look at Kirk Cousins, right? 
Kirk Cousins is right there. He's in the system. So you don't have to do too much here in moving on. And I mean, he would just unlock all these weapons immediately. And Bo Nix, you would say, of all the guys in the draft, he would be that kind of classic guy, right, that you would go after. And then if you want to add another dimension, however, and maybe get that running ability, you look at Jane Daniels, look at J.J. McCarthy. They have said they want a bit of an autonomous playmaker at quarterback. So that's interesting as well, right? I mean, Desmond Ritter, look, didn't give them the juice that they wanted, but I think that was a little bit of a hint, right? Even going back to Marcus Mariota, is that they see having a mobile quarterback in the system. Now, it's a different system now, but I still think that's something in play. So Jaden Daniels, like if he went to this offense, I'd be very excited. Even J.J. McCarthy at this point. So any quarterback that lands in this environment with this scheme and this offense, I'm going to be way high on assuming that person is a first-round pick or someone I know as a start. If they go and, say, use a second or third-round pick on another guy like a Ritter, I'm not going to be cool with it. But I don't see that happening, right? Falcons brought a new coach, new offense. They're going to go after their quarterback of choice. So I'm very intrigued to see who they get a quarterback. But regardless, I'm really excited about this because – Look, we know what we've seen from Joe Mixon. I mean, he's been using his receiver well and produced well in fantasy, at least early, right, with Zach Taylor. We've seen some good things even out of Minnesota, right, in the scoring backs. Like, I know it wasn't great, but Alexander Madison was still somewhat viable last year. But we know that Bijan is way more talented than them and more talented than Kyron Williams. So Williams had big numbers with the Rams. So Man, this is great, I think, for Bijan Robinson. They're going to make him the centerpiece of this offense. They're going to throw to him quite a bit. I just think you have a smart coach in there, and he's there just going to realize, hey, Bijan needs to be the guy that touches the ball, and everything kind of is going to break free and open up from him, uh, even the play action and all that. Yeah, I mean, the uses for Bijan last year in the running game was just absurd. Uh, and that's all Arthur Smith, right, overthinking yeah. it. I mean, uh, Bijan averaged 4.6 yards per carry while Algier was at 3.7. Cordero Patterson was at 3.6. And for whatever reason, Arthur Smith was like, nah, I, I want those terrible guys to touch it instead. Robinson had 30 carries of 10-plus yards, which was tied for the mo fourth most in the NFL behind only Christian McCaffrey, James Cook, James Conner, Tyler Raheem Moster. Algier had 13 carries of 10 plus yards. So 30 to 13. And they had nearly the same amount of total carries. Do you know who had more carries of 10 plus yards than Algier? Alexander Madison, who stunk yeah. this year, had 17 such carries, four more than Algier. Like, I can't get over that usage. But yeah, I expect Bijan to be up towards 300 carries this year. That's what I would like to see him at. He was at 214 this past year. His target share was completely fine. I mean, he had the second yeah. highest uh, percent of team targets among all running backs in the league behind only Christian McCaffrey. The issue was the quarterback position, right? Because he caught... He only caught 67% of them. Well, Christian McCaffrey was at 80%. Brees yeah. Hall, who was third in team target percent among running backs, was at 80%. Most running backs are around 80% catch rate like or higher. Yeah. It's that, it, like Having a 67.4 catch rate is absurd, and we know Bijan is a very good receiving back. It's not like he has this issue. So I expect a better quarterback, this target share, he would uh, – automatically be better for fantasy just off of that, just off of the receptions yeah. increasing from the targets he already had. And now I expect his carries to wait to increase a ton now that Arthur Smith is gone. So I love Bijan next year. Yeah, let's just be honest. I mean, the Rams and their staff know what they're doing, right? And you mentioned Madison, right? I mean, pretty much we were like, okay, are they going to work in Ty Chandler and all that? And took Madison getting hurt, but they were able to move on Dalvin Cook. And then you saw 
Madison still got most of the workload. Mixon, I know they worked in Samaje P. Ryan a little bit earlier in his uh, time with the Bengals under Zach Taylor, but it was pretty much a mix and backfield, right? Getting the key touches. It wasn't really a sharing situation. Of course, you relate that to Williams. That They like one back in this Rams type of offense, right? So that's great news, and it's certainly not going to be Tyler Algiers, and we know that it's going to be Robinson. And look, Arthur Smith did not take advantage of this, but Arthur Blank knew that, right? He went after a guy that's going to maximize his skill position players, and that includes... Our favorite whipping boy from last year, Kyle Pitts. I, I tried to be optimistic, but now actually might be. Keep in mind, this is an 11 personnel team. This is huge because Arthur Smith going back to his days with the Titans was a lot of 12 personnel. So what does that mean? We're not going to see Jonu Smith on the field that all that much, which is number one key. Number two is right now in this Falcons receiving core, there's not a lot, right? It's Kaderil Hodge and Van Jefferson on the depth chart after Drake London. So who makes the most sense as the key slot receiver? It's Kyle Pitts. That's what he is. Use him in that way. And I think they will look at it that way. I, don't, I think they won't look at him as a Tyler Higby type, right? Coming from the Rams, they'll be like, this guy should be working the slot and he should be used as a slot receiver. And we know what the Rams offense can mean for slot receivers if you get them in the right position. So I'm excited about this for Kyle Pitts. I think it's going to be a lot of Drake London, a lot of Kyle Pitts. I don't expect them. And why would you invest highly on another receiver? They've done this for three straight drafts in the first round. So I really like that potential with Kyle Pitts. And look, if they get the right quarterback who can stretch the field with a big arm, I'm loving Drake London as well this year. So I think these two guys could see major arrows up as fantasy assets and be consistent finally. Yeah, so, I mean, Kyle Pitts was not that far behind Drake London in targets. So London led the team with 110. Pitts was at 90. The biggest issue, I mean, with both of these guys was the quarterback play, right? But Pitts only catching 53 of 90 balls because his targets that he got were just atrocious, right? Like, the quarterback situation here is everything. So we'll have to see who they bring at quarterback. I don't know how confident I'll feel in Drake London or Kyle Pitts with a rookie quarterback, depending on who they get. But obviously, if it was Kirk Cousins they brought in, that would change yeah. everything. These guys would explode up boards. Uh, so right now, I, like when I look at this Falcons offense, I'm super, super high on Bijan. I'm really excited for him in this new offense. I'm excited for the offense in general with a new young quarterback. But Drake London is more of a guy I would take a shot on. Kyle Pitts, like you, because you're already getting excited about him, he's never going to go late enough for me in drafts yeah. to be like, okay, it's worth taking the shot on someone who doesn't do anything, right? Like, it's not, I get the talents there, and I would love to take a late, late, late round swing on him, but he's never going to go that late because his name value and people just get excited about the talent. So that's why I always have to stay off of the Kyle Pitts train. But Drake London will go later because of his bad year. He doesn't have as much hype around his name and because he'll most likely have a young quarterback. So he is a guy that I might give a, a shot with this upcoming year. Yeah, I think Kyle Pitts is actually probably going to just make fantasy managers cringe quite a bit, right? They're going to see that name and keep dropping. But here's an example, right? I think... I if I'm going for later, and I'm not saying I want this guy as my starter, but Dallas Goddard or Kyle Pitts, like who has more upside right now? It would be Kyle Pitts, right? I'm not – if I'm going to wait a tight end, I'm going to go for some upside guys and not like <laughs> Dallas Goddard and put him in my lineup or even the guys we talked about, Schultz or Henry. Like I really feel like there's a little bit more upside with Pitts, and we're going to watch this carefully. There's going to be plenty of practices, off-season sessions where we'll know – We'll, we'll have a good idea of what Kyle Pitts' role is. We'll get good beat reports on that. So 
I Colin, think it comes Colin is too consistent of a fantasy asset for you. You don't like all of his points he gives you for three years now. It's too good. We want the Kyle Pitts who scores. Yeah, well, I'm two just saying the upside game. is there. I think the bottom line comes down is comes down to are they going to look at him as a slot receiver? If they do that, which he should be considered as a slot receiver, right? That's when you're going to get the numbers, right? That's the key. Like if they say I'm going to go out and get a slot receiver, obviously in the draft, if we know that or someone in free agency, if they get a Tyler Boyd or some type like that, then I know they're probably not going to make him the slot receiver, and then I'm going to probably be down on him. But I'm just throwing out that potential. It's there, and we know we won't see Jonu on the field. So yeah. I think all these things could lead to something there. Again, I'm not saying you go after him. I think you even look at him as a tight end too. Like that, I don't want him higher than that. But I think if you're looking for just a cheap value later that could really pay off, I think he's going to be there. I think Drake London is going to be a bit more expensive, right? He still had some big games with the nasty quarterback situation. So if he has even a legitimate, like above average situation, people are going to go after him. So a lot of good stuff to unpack there. I, I can't wait. I, I mean, it can't be any worse. I'll just say that, right? With all this, I mean, the last three years, I mean, three first round picks on these three guys, Pitts, London, Robinson, three, seven, and 10 teams. That's inexcusable. Like they just sat on and just wasted it and, and they're not going to do it anymore. I, I think the patience is lost here. I, I think they have to do it. So I, I do like them hiring from the Rams. I think that's going to pay off on both sides of the ball. So a team that actually may not underachieve overall this season. There you go. We will look at the teams that actually will underachieve or underwhelm tomorrow as the falling offenses we hinted at one of them of course where arthur smith is now and you can <laughs> look at where he is but we will talk about that team much to michelle chagrin and then maybe a couple more teams there that we don't like but uh, for this edition of locked on fantasy football and the positive rising offenses this has been Vinny Iyer, and i'm michelle maju bye y'all